I'm kind of excited. I had to share a little bit about uh, something that is happening today that, that you may or may not be aware of. Today actually begins the, uh, the Jewish New Year, uh, the feast or the festival of trumpets. Rosh Hashanah is what uh, you know, modern Jews uh, call it. But yeah, you know what? I'm so disappointed. Where's my shofar? I left my little one at home because there's a big one here. <laughs> it's all right. I love your t-shirt, by the way. I don't do demons. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, um, today begins the year 5783. 5783 on the Jewish calendar. On the calendar of the Lord, really. It's celebrated as a Sabbath day of celebration where they do no work at all. We love those days, right? No work at all. There's a food offering brought before the Lord, and they, they blast several blasts. I think the, the modern, um, you know, typical blast, a hundred blasts on the shofar, uh, or the trumpet, you know, shofar, the ram's horn. Um, just a powerful day, a powerful day. There's something awesome about newness in the Lord, right? And though I don't think any of us here are Jewish by birth, right? Any, any of us? Nah, y'all are Gentiles like me, right? Which just means you're a non-Jew. Um, uh, the, that's all right. I'm getting there adopted and grafted in. Yep. <laughs> We've been adopted in the family. So yep, we're all part of it. Yeah, I love it. You're getting there. <laughs> but really, you know, our Christian faith has its heritage, has its birth, has its everything in the old covenant. You know, there's nothing really wrong with the old covenant. It was fulfilled by Jesus. So we get to still celebrate. We still get to receive all of these promises, all of these blessings, because we've been grafted in, right? Because really the, most, the, the only difference between us and, and Jews is that we have accepted that Jesus was the Messiah. It's really the only difference, you know. We accept the fullness of their word, our God is their God, but we just have that revelation that Jesus is him. He's not just a great teacher, not just a great prophet. He is the Messiah. He was God in the flesh. Just as Jesus said, when you've seen him, you've seen the Father. He is the full representation. He was fully man, fully God, all at the same time. It's, it's a beautiful, awesome thing. As Paul taught it, we as sort of the universal church, not just us here at New Hope or the Assemblies of God, the, the church in general, all those who put their faith in Jesus, um, you know, what we are, we have not replaced the Israelites or the Jews as God's chosen people. We have been grafted in. We're, we're adopted into the family, right? Romans 11. Um, I'm going to start in verse 11 just to teach a little bit about this before we move on. So Paul says, again, I ask, did, did Israel stumble so far as to fall beyond recovery. Are God's people gone? Did he give up on them, Israel? <laughs> Absolutely not. I could say, heck no, I don't want to offend anybody. i got to watch my vernacular here, you know. Absolutely not. In fact, Paul said it this way, not at all, with an exclamation point. Rather, it's because of their transgression that salvation has come to us, the Gentiles. And God's purpose is to make Israel envious. <laughs> But if their transgression means riches for the world and their loss means riches for the Gentiles, how much greater the riches will be when they are fully included. Paul said in verse 13, I'm talking to you Gentiles, you non-Jews, inasmuch as I am the apostle to the Gentiles. He says, I take pride in my ministry in the hope that I may somehow arouse my own people to envy and to save them. 
For if their rejection brought reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance be? But life from the dead for the whole world. If part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, then so are the branches. And if some of the branches have been broken off, you, though you are a wild olive shoot, you have been grafted in among them. And now you share in that nourishing sap from the olive root. Do not consider yourself to be superior to those other branches. For if you consider this, you don't support the root, the root supports you. You then say branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in, as if though you're something. Granted, that's true, but they were broken off because of unbelief. You are grafted in only because you stand by faith. So don't be arrogant, but rather tremble. Because if God did not spare the natural branches, he won't spare you either. So we have been grafted in. We may not be Jewish by birth, but we're Jewish by adoption into the family of God. We receive everything by faith. The same way that the, the, the old covenant was always by. They would do all those things in faith. And we receive our salvation by faith. But everything ultimately comes from Jesus, the, the root of Jesse, right? We're grafted into him. He's the vine, we're the branches. We receive it all from him. That nourishing sap, that flowing of the this, this spring that rises up within us, right? Its source is Jesus, no other. We still value the Old Testament as God's word. Every one of its prophecies are yes and amen. There are some that still have yet to be fulfilled. If you don't believe it, just read through Daniel. There's several that have yet to come, but the days are drawing near. But we, we look forward to some of the prophecies which are still left undone, but we embrace the fact that Jesus fulfilled the bulk of them. He fulfilled the law, so I don't have to. Okay, spiritual lesson, sort of history lesson aside. Um, we, we move on to realizing that this is a new day. It's a new day. We have a new hope. We have a new love. There's a new grace. Every day is a brand new day in the Lord, right? But there's something special about those times and seasons of the Lord. And today begins the new year in the Lord. So there's, there's just something, there's an anointing. There's just, there's just something special to that, to this brand new beginning. And I think it's interesting that God's new year actually begins in the fall, you know? It begins when things actually are starting to die. Whenever you think of something being brand new, you don't think of something passing away, but God had decided to appoint this season to be the season of newness. You know, the grass is finally slowing down, leaves are starting to change and, and die off. You know, everything's preparing for the winter season. It's just, it's interesting that the Lord appointed that season to be the season of newness. But of course we know that Christ brings life from death. He has to start with death because guess what? Each and every one of us were dead in our sins, dead in our transgressions. We were born into sin. So he's got to start there, right? That's where he starts, but that's not where he ends. He brings life from death. We all know that as the natural world around us enters the season of death, it's the same way that, that we die to our old selves. But even in the natural season of spring, it comes back to a new life. We raise up 
in a new life. That, that's what water baptism is all about. I'm, I'm putting to death my old self, and I'm raising again in this new life. I'm a new person. Today's a brand new day. There's a brand new hope today. There's a new grace for me, a new mercy. It's exciting. There's a newness that comes alive with it in us. And this morning, God is bringing to our attention something that we all possess. Something we all possess. Something that has the ability to make or break us. To embitter or to embolden us. Whew. It is life-transforming. This thing actually controls every aspect of our lives. Every aspect. And everybody possesses this, whether you're a believer or not. And that thing that we possess, that God is speaking to us about. In fact, he's been speaking about it the past couple of weeks. just took me a while to pick up on what he was talking about until today. That thing that we possess is perception. Perception. The way that I perceive myself, others, my circumstances, my God, the devil, the way, my perception. It's like those rose-colored glasses, you know, that, that you hear metaphorically spoken about, the way you view the world. It shapes your worldview. Perception has an incredibly powerful impact on our lives. Incredibly powerful. How we perceive things ultimately controls every aspect of our lives. And, and the way that God kind of brought this to my attention is uh, my family and I were actually driving home last week. Um, I can't remember where we were heading home from, but we, we passed through this residential area. Um, and what I saw was I saw this man reach out and grab this little girl by the back of her shirt. Grabbed her. Like, you know, you could see just in, in, in this girl, you could see this fear on her face. And he starts dragging her over to their front porch. And her arms are flailing. She looks like she's scared to death. And I'm, I'm praying, I'm like, Lord, what is happening here? Do I need to step in? Like, do I need to come to this girl's rescue? What is going on? You know, I mean, it looked like she was scared for her life. And he just, I don't know, just with one hand, like a big brute, you know, grabbing this little girl and dragging her off. I thought for sure he was just in a fit of rage. And I wasn't sure if I should step in or not. But then as we continued to drive along... We made it past these shrubs that went between, you know, these residential areas. That was their fence, you know. It separated them from their neighbor. And then when we got past those shrubs, I could see the whole picture. Before, I could just see sort of from the waist up. And here what it was was this little girl was on rollerblades. She was about ready to fall. That's why she was flailing around and scared. And her dad was rescuing her, not endangering her. Perception. When you see in part, it's so easy to get the wrong idea, to react the wrong way, to allow the wrong emotions to stir up, right? Can you imagine if I would have like pulled over, jumped over, jumped those shrubs and just went after that guy, you know? Whew. He probably would have been a little scared. Like, what are you doing, man? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, that, that little girl, I mean, she was, she's actually being rescued from probably her dad, you know. But just think about how powerful perception is because of that. How often are our lives controlled by the enemy who uses what? Deception. Where does he deceive us? In our perception. The way we perceive things. 
And don't get me wrong, the devil, he'll use the word of God. He'll have you quoting book, chapter, verse. You know, that's what he did to Jesus in Matthew 4. He tempted the word of God with the word of God. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, he quoted the word. He knows the word better than you and I do. He knows the kingdom better than you and I do. He was a part of it before he fell like lightning from, the, uh, from heaven, right? Before he got booted. But just think about that. From, in just a few seconds, I went from compassion and concern and even rage and anger of what is this guy's problem to laughing out loud. And my family had no idea what was happening. They're like, what are you laughing at? Like, what is it? Like, they thought I was just a, in another spiritual fit of whatever, you know, what's going on. And now I'm like, did you guys just see that? Like, and I explained it. It's crazy. Perception, though. Perception changed everything. However, the only thing that changed was in here. Reality didn't change. Circumstances didn't change. That guy, that girl didn't change. The only thing that changed was in my brain. The way I perceived the situation, right? And because my perception changed, my life was radically transformed as a result. In those few little milliseconds... I mean, it had to be just a few seconds of time that all of this took place. That I saw this, and then I saw that, and then, you know, my emotions were all over the place. Life changed for me that quickly, you know, that quickly, all because of perception. Now, this is a prophetic scripture that we often go into with the new year, and it's certainly fitting for today, back in Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43, most of you can probably quote this. Um, uh, And this is what Isaiah prophesies. As the Lord speaks, the Lord speaks and he says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. I'm telling you, that is a, that is a today word for every day. Forget about it, right? Just forget about it. Forget about yesterday. Forget about the past. You're a new person. This is a new day. In fact, God says in verse 19, look, I'm doing a new thing. It's springing up. Do you perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Do we perceive what God is doing? We learned the past few weeks that his disciples missed it pretty easily. The scholars, the elders, the Sadducees, Pharisees, teachers of the law, all those uppity ups in the uh, Jewish faith, they missed it. They knew the word of God, but they said he was a demon when he stood before them, right? His disciples saw the resurrected Jesus over and over again. Um, He appeared to them several times, is what the Bible says, over the course of that 40 days. And yet every time that he showed up that's recorded, they didn't recognize him. They didn't perceive him. But there was something about him that gave it away, right? These past few weeks, we've looked at those examples. Those examples of how easily they missed God right there in front of their face in physical form. They didn't perceive it. Although their hearts were burning. There was something about it. There, there was a discernment that was there, but they didn't fully discern and perceive that it was Jesus. I love how God operates. God hides things in plain sight. And as Becky will tell you, that's the best way to hide things from me, you know? Just like the shofar, I just thought I was overlooking, you know? I, was, I don't know if it's just a guy thing or what, but, you know, we'll talk about it here in a few minutes. <laughs> we'll get ahead of myself. But, um... God hides things in plain sight. And it's not that God's hiding it from you. It's that he's hiding it 
for you. God wants to reveal the secrets of his kingdom. And he has hidden his secrets out there in plain sight for everyone to see. For everyone to see, for everyone to hear, so that everybody is without excuse when we stand before him. Everyone is without excuse. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he teaches about the natural world. And he says everything about God's power and attributes can be seen through the natural world. You can see the creator in the creation, right? But we get it tripped up. We worship, and Paul says it in Romans chapter 1, we worship the creation instead of the creator. That's pretty much every addiction, you know? You know, we, we, we got the, these, uh, you know, marijuana things popping up left and right all around us, and you now we got gambling places right here in New Mine, you know? It's like, you know, we, we worship the creation. We, we, we give our resources and time, and really we do worship it. Remember, the last time I talked about this uh, worship of the creation, we used Patrick and SpongeBob. Were with the, yeah, anyways. Uh, a goofy goober, yeah. He's like, I do not worship him. And he's got his underwear on. Anyways, <laughs> we worship, that, that's really, you get things tripped up. You worship the creation, not the creator. And it just, it leads to all kinds of trouble. So God's hiding us things in, in plain sight. And when I'm like, God, how, what is like a good example of this? Like what came to mind, um, please don't throw rocks at me, but is an, an, an egg hunt, an Easter, Easter egg hunt. I said, I said the word at New Hope, Easter we all know what we celebrate on Easter. We celebrate the resurrected Jesus, okay? So you call it whatever you want to call it. That's what we're celebrating. We're not celebrating no goddess of fertility. You, I don't know how a bunny plops eggs out. I've, I got a lot of bunnies running around my yard. I've never once seen an egg laid, you know? But anyways, weird stuff. But think about this. It's like preparing an egg hunt for toddlers. That is sort of what the father does. You're not hiding those eggs unless you're mean like me, um, so that the kids can't find them, right? You want the kids to find them, but you hide the good eggs, the money eggs, in a little more difficult of a spot. So you really have to seek and put the effort in to find it. Now, you still want them to find them. It's just you're so like, and you see the kids running out there, and they're grabbing them and everything, and like you see those, you see them run past the second. It's like, oh, it's right there. Like, it's right there. Like, they were so close. And you actually get more excited than they are. Like, you're both excited. They're running around excited to grab all these things, and you're excited because they're hidden. That is what the revelation of the kingdom is like. The Father has not kept things from you. He's keeping things for you. He wants you to find them. And what do you do whenever those little toddlers are running out there? Like, oh, wait, wait, wait. You're getting warmer. Up, oh, colder, colder, colder. Up, oh, up, oh, you know. You're guiding. You're directing them to find it. And you share in their joy when they find it and when they figure out what's inside, when they open it up. Like, it's just as exciting for us as it is for them. It's just as exciting for your Father in heaven as it is for you when you unlock and reveal those secrets. It's awesome. It is so exciting. This is what God's Word is like. It's so simple, so, so simple, but yet it's so deep, so revelatory. And we can walk right past it. I don't know how many times I've read this, this verse, you know, probably a thousand times before. I have it memorized. But then I read it one day, and, oh, wait a second. 
wow, I, I'd never seen that before, you know? It, it's like it finally cracked it open, and there's so many layers to, to his word, and it's just exciting. And then God's word becomes like an egg hunt, you know? And you just, you look for the deeper, it, it, and it's, again, it's not mysticism, we're not looking for some, like, hidden numeric system. You know, you watch the History Channel and you see all these weird flaky things, you know. Um, it's not that we're looking. At, it, it's not a spirit of mysticism. It is a spirit of revelation. The Holy Spirit. The prophetic spirit. It's a living word. And he just speaks new things to you as you read it. And as you, uh, you know, as he reveals things to it. But that's often what God's word is like. It's so simple. It's right in front of our faces. And we hear what he's saying we see what he's doing, but we don't understand what he's speaking, and we don't perceive what he's doing through his actions. And this is literally what Jesus said here. In, um, in Matthew chapter 13, his, his disciples went up to him and they asked, um, What is with you? Why are you always speaking in parables? Matthew chapter 13, verse 10. You know, and it wasn't just one disciple that went to him. Because apparently everyone was too chicken to ask. So they all went together, and they all asked him at the same time. And they say, why do you speak to people in parables? And Jesus replied. He never hid things from them. He told them pretty bluntly and openly. Just like he told them how many times? I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to suffer at their hands. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. But on the third day, I'm going to raise again. He said it very plainly many times. But when it happened... They done forgot about it, right? They didn't get it. They didn't understand. This is what Jesus said. He said, this is why I speak to people in parables. Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. He hid it in plain sight. You get it. <laughs> if you haven't read Matthew chapter 13... <laughs> They didn't get it. He had to explain it to them. But still, it was so they would get it. And the people who really weren't seeking, the doubters, they just didn't get it. They just blew it off. You know, whatever. There he goes speaking of parables again, you know. The secrets, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Jesus said in verse 12, whoever has will be given more. And they'll have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away from them. We so often hear these verses quoted about money. What was Jesus talking about? It wasn't money. He was talking about the revelation, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Don't let things be stolen away from you. Right? We want more and more and more. We want an abundance. And he goes on here. And he says, this is why I speak to them in parables. And he starts quoting the Old Testament. Though seeing, they don't see. Though hearing, they don't hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Why do I talk in parables? To fulfill prophecy about me. You know, how cool is that? That's why Jesus spoke in parables. He said this about them. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly even hear with their ears. They close their eyes. Because otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and I would heal them. 
He says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes because they truly see. Your ears because they truly hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and many righteous people longed to see what you are seeing, but they didn't get to see it. They longed to hear what you are hearing, but they never got to hear it. If this is not an accurate world for our word, a word for our world today, I don't know what is. You know, people see it, but they don't really see it. They hear it, but they aren't really hearing. They're not understanding. They're not perceiving. Do you see? That's where we stop. We hear things and we see things, but do we understand things and do we perceive things? Right. Nate, I pick on you all the time, but it's sort of like whenever you're with your kids and you tell them to do something and they repeat it back to you. What did I tell you to do before I got home? And they'll repeat it right back to you. They heard you. And like, did you understand what I meant by that? Yeah. How do you do that? And they'll tell you exactly how to do it, but you didn't do it, you know? <laughs> so what are we missing here? What's not clicking? What part did you not understand? What part did you not perceive correctly, right? But this is us in the kingdom. God's speaking all around us. He's moving all around us. But how many times does he stand right in our face and we just blow him off and ignore him and we don't perceive that it's him at work? Perception changes everything without changing anything, right? It changes everything while nothing actually changes. It just changes the way I see things, the way I understand things, the way I literally perceive things. Jesus said that you're blessed when you perceive what God is doing. You're blessed when you have ears to hear and to understand what God is speaking. He said you're blessed because what happens is you see and you hear and you turn your attention to God, right? And this is what drives my wife crazy. I can be looking for something, it's right in front of my face and I literally don't see it. I'm like, it's not out there. Two seconds, she goes in and there it is. And I'm like, Pfft. But we're driving down the highway, and 600 yards off, I'm like, hey, hey, look at that deer, you know? <laughs> you see, there's something to this. What do we value? What are we seeking? The season's upon us. I'm seeing deer everywhere, and I'm getting excited, you know? I could care less about a bottle of ketchup. I don't like this stuff. Okay, whatever. I mean, we can agree to disagree, but whatever. I'm a plain kind of guy. You know... I value it. I care about it. I'm always, in the back of my mind, I have trained myself to always be seeking wildlife, critters, you know, just something I enjoy doing, you know. I don't just enjoy shooting and eating them. I just enjoy watching them, you know. They're just fun. They're, they're cool. Cool part of God's creation, you know. This is what it's like in God's kingdom. What do we value? What have we trained ourselves to perceive? Because when you train yourself to perceive the kingdom, and Jesus said when you seek it first, everything else is added. Everything else just falls in the line. Everything else makes sense. Your life is at peace. You can have joy. You can laugh at the enemy. You can set a table before them, right? You can do all these things. You can bless those who curse you. You can give the shirt off your back. You can walk an extra mile with someone who forces you at gunpoint to walk one mile. You know, Jesus said you can do all these things because of your perception. Because you're a freed person. 
Nobody can make you do anything. You're a free person. Perception changes everything without changing anything. Perception is what changed when Elisha's servant's eyes were opened to see that they were not surrounded and outnumbered by the army of their enemy. The army of their enemy was surrounded and were far outnumbered by God's army, right? His perception changed. His eyes were open to see. And then he went from a place of fear to a place of rejoicing. We don't have to worry about this. We don't even have to fight. The Lord's going to fight for us. Our perception shapes our lives. Because what we perceive about ourselves or somebody else or something or circumstances or whatever, our perception changes our attitude. Our perception changes the way we think about ourselves, others, whatever. You name it, perception affects it. It affects our attitude, it affects our thoughts, and as a result, it changes our actions. Everything gets rolled back into the battlefield of the mind, right? The battlefield of the mind. And it's not just about what you know, it's about what you perceive. I knew that guy grabbed that girl's shirt. I knew it. I knew that girl was scared. But you see, my perception was off. Because when you see in part, you fill in the gaps with what you're seeking after, right? It's interesting. We're, we're continuing on. Bear with me here. Paul taught this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, or perfection comes in other translations, what is in part disappears. And that's sort of what, what I experienced. Once the complete picture was drawn, once I got past those shrubs that was hiding the rest of the picture, oh, I got the complete picture, things are good, we're cool, right? And then he went on in verse 12 and he said, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. And, and by the way, whenever he talked about seeing in a mirror, it's not like the mirrors that we have. They like had polished metal as mirrors during that day of history. And so you couldn't really get the full picture. You didn't really see accurately the way that we can see accurately in our mirrors. When he said we only see as in a mirror, you know, it's just really a skewed, distorted, and you could almost, you know, see yourself kind of thing. But right now, we don't see the big picture. It's similar to like a puzzle. God sees the big picture. He knows how this is going to end. He gets it. But all that we see are these pieces. And by the way, this is as if though you received puzzle pieces and you didn't see the picture on the front, okay? God hands you the second half of the box. He's holding on to the first half. And he's like, here's this piece. Put that over there. And you're like... But what is this? And this makes no sense. What are you thinking? And it's a choice. Are we going to obediently trust because he sees the big picture and we only see in part? Or are we going to lean on our own ways and trust in our own understanding? Which are we going to do? Are we going to obey God or ourselves? Are we going to die to ourselves and embrace the new life? Or are we going to just ignore this new life and continue going down our own, right? It's really a choice. Um, he, he, he reveals things in part. 
We only see in part. We only hear in part. And in this earthly lifetime, in this fleshly body of weakness, we will only ever be able to receive in part. I don't know about you all, but nobody knows fully yet. Not until you're in the kingdom in your new glorified body, right? We can't handle the whole thing. But what happens is this is where we learn to train ourselves up in the faith. This is when you revert back to your childish ways or when you grow up and you start maturing in your faith. This is where we get to choose. This is where we get to train ourselves up. Knowing only in part is challenging because our imaginations tend to run wild with all of the unknowns. Our, our brains always want to see the big picture, always want to fill in the blanks, right? That's what we always want to do. But we've got to learn to let go of all of those what-ifs and stand firmly on Christ and on his word and on his guidance. He trusted us with a part, let's be faithful with the part. Let's not try to keep filling in the unknowns, right? We can trust that. But knowing in part is that realm where perception is leading our lives. Perception wants to fill in the blanks. It wants to see that one little piece and be like, oh, I bet this is this. And then you start heading your own way instead of just being faithful to the part that God showed you and trusted you with. We can perceive, think about this, we can perceive many, many things from a shadow, from just a part, right? We must train ourselves up to fully trust what is revealed in part. Fully trust the part that God has revealed to us and not to try to make up the rest because we become fearful or anxiety-filled over the unknown. Instead, we need to just fully trust the part. We can trust the part that God revealed to us and trust that this is all we need to know right now. Think about it this way. Here's, here's where I want your mind to go right now. Okay, GPS system, the app on your phone, right? Whenever you're using that application to get someplace you've never been before, unfamiliar territory, uncharted, right? You know, you don't really know where you're heading. That GPS unit doesn't read out every single turn and every single distance, every single foot of that trip, does it? It would overwhelm you. You would get confused. You would get lost. Jesus is not calling a bride to be lost and confused and uncertain. He is calling his bride to be bold courageous, certain, right? Instead, our GPS, you know, our, think about that. Think about if your GPS as you're driving down the street. It's like, okay, you're passing a blue house, brown house, gray house. Oh, one tree, two, three, 5,369,000 trees. You know, it just reads out every single thing that's happening every single step of the way, right? Because that's what we want from God. We want every little detail before we follow him. That requires no faith at all, does it? Instead, God wants us to be a people who walk by faith, not by sight, right? Instead, what does our GPS do? It says, hey, in two miles, take exit 256, and then completely silent. And then a few hundred feet before, and it's like, okay, take exit 256, you know? It reminds you right away, and then it falls silent again. And if it doesn't say anything for a really, 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 really long time, what are you supposed to do? Just keep going. Just stay on the path that you're on. If you get off that path, it'll warn you. It'll tell you. Oh, redirecting you. Let's get you back on track, back where you need to be, right? 
It just means you got to stay on the, you're on the right path and you just got to stay on it. That doesn't mean that it gave up on you, that it, it shut down on you, that it's ignoring you, that you did something wrong. It just means you got to keep going on that path until you receive further directions. It only reveals information in part, but it reveals the part that you need right when you need it. Let's just confess this morning, we have more faith and trust in Google and Apple than we do in God right we trust when it tells us to go this way to go that way we trust when we go the wrong way it redirects us but do we trust god in the same way think about it it's a little convicting i know at least to myself some stranger's voice on a cell phone we follow it more than we follow god's word but the challenge with only knowing in part is our imagination tends to fill in the rest of the missing pieces of what is not known then we're either forced to choose to allow fear and anxiety to rise up or faith and trust to rise up and to work in our lives. This is where doubt usually rises up when, when we only see in part and it gets us to try to turn back or go astray when we're supposed to just keep our face like flint is what the Bible says. Just keep moving forward. Seeing in part is like when you see a shadow, you know? L look at these things. Like, if you see the shadow... The shadow does not represent the reality, does it? You know, there's not a cougar coming into your room there. That just, that's just deception. Man, does the enemy love to whisper voices into your mind when you see the shadow of what is yet to come, right? Man, the enemy loves to run wild here, loves to cause fear to rise up. Because whenever I'm sitting in my bedroom and I hear my door squeak open this happens because we don't close our room fully because anyways it can be one of two things this is where my mind goes that's either my cute little puppy dog coming in to cuddle up at my feet in bed or it's a murderer coming in to slaughter me and my wife right <laughs> let's be honest when when you're rudely woken up in the middle of the night and you hear the squeak and you see the shadow fall on your floor your imagination runs wild, right? Reaching for my pistol, you know? Like, what is this? And it's like, oh, it's you, you know, right? Your imagination runs wild when you just see in part. And especially when that part you're seeing is prophetic. In other words, it's a foreshadowing. It's a shadow of the reality. Those shadows do not represent the reality, right? That's some person's hands, but the shadow is painting a different picture for you, isn't it? You see where I'm heading with this? And we're going to end on this, this idea and this concept of perception. What we perceive controls our lives. We cannot let our minds run wild to fill in blanks with doubt and fear. Instead, what we need to do is go back to the Word of God, back to the prophetic promises of God, back to what is written, back to what is spoken. And allow that to fill in the blanks. And if there's nothing there to fill it in with, end it. I don't need to know that part. I just need to trust God with the part he's given me. I don't need to know that next part. I'm just going to be faithful. And what did Jesus say? When you're faithful with little, you'll be given much. But if you're not faithful with little, what happens? Even what you have will be taken away. God's like, it's just hands. And you're like, no, it's a deer. <laughs> I've got some hunting stories I could tell you about. Things that got shot that were not there. 
But you swore it was a deer because that's what your mind wanted to see. That's what you were perceiving, right? And I'll tell you what, there have been actually some pretty tragic accidents that happened as a result. Um, you know, my, my, my great uncle, he was a game commissioner for many, many years. And man, the stories he has, especially in turkey season. Because you got people out there in the woods without orange on and everybody's making turkey noises. And some people don't follow the rules. They decide to get up and walk around. Next thing you know, they got shotgun BBs all through their body, you know, because they look like a turkey, sound like a turkey. The guy's looking for a turkey. What you seek, you will find, right? Oh, man. Think about this. Our perception. Do you perceive what God is doing? If you're not perceiving God, oh, the enemy will give you everything he needs to fill in the blanks to cause you to fear, right? In fact, this is, this is a very familiar couple of verses for us. That has to do with our perception, which controls everything. Um, we, we know that um, worship can be expressed through music and lyrics. We use that here. But true and proper worship is so much more than a song. True and proper worship is laying down our will and our thoughts and our opinions and our ways and letting the Lord transform and renew our mind, right? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship, laying yourself down, your bodies, everything you are like a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. We got social media telling us what's happening all over the world. We got news, and I love the news channels. I pick it out all the time, you know, because I, I do watch news to catch up with what's happening. But what they'll do is like, okay, here is this tiny little part of a fact. Okay, could you tell me your reaction about that? And then they go on for hours about their opinions, trying to sway you one way or another. And let me tell you, conservative news is just as bad for this. They want ratings. They want money. They, you know, so man, they will, they will say whatever they need to say to get your blood pumping. You know, what do you mean they rated, you know, and they just, we go on and on and on. And they speculate. Don't you like... We know we're not unaware of the enemy's schemes and the world is working no differently. They leak just enough information for you to speculate. A picture goes out. And all of a sudden, all the news are saying, oh, it's this, 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 and that, and how could they do this? And oh, they probably did this. And it's all speculation. It's all conspiracy based on a little bit that you see in part. The enemy is going to be able to deceive in the end times, even the elect, even the chosen, even the saved. So we got to train ourselves up to perceive the world differently. Not the way the world perceives the world, but what is God doing in and through these things? We've been talking the past few weeks about the, the uh, actually it was a couple weeks ago we learned about the tabernacle that Moses built, the temple, how uh, Solomon built that, how they were given very, very detailed plans, but how those things were a shadow copy of what is in heaven. Even dealing with the festival or the Feast of Trumpets, it begins today on the Jewish calendar, we're reminded of this scripture. That's why we don't really celebrate all of those things at their time anymore. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 to 17. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink regard to religious festivals or new moon celebrations, or even Sabbath days. Those things were all a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. 
You don't have to chase shadows anymore. You don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be fearful anymore. You have the reality. You know Jesus, the Savior. We no longer have a mere shadow that we celebrate to look forward to what is coming. I mean, you know, we, we celebrate Christ. We celebrate the reality, the fulfillment of it all. Um, you know, whenever we celebrate Jesus, we celebrate all the feasts and festivals and everything that God set apart as a shadowing reminder, looking forward to what is ahead. I mean, think about that. How silly would it be if my, my dog comes to come into the room in the middle of the night and as soon as I see a shadow, I'm like, yeah, a shadow, woo! And I'm like taking pictures and posting on social media and this is awesome and it's going to be great, you know? Why would I celebrate that? Why would I wait in my bedroom all day to be like, oh, he's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Oh, there's a shadow, you know? It's just it's silliness. What do I do? I call on the name of my dog. If I want to cuddle with my dog, I'm like, here, Chewy, you know? And he just comes. And he's, ah, you know, and petting why would I get excited and wait in eager anticipation for a shadow when I can experience the reality? Do you get what I'm saying? You can call on the name of Jesus anytime. You don't have to wait until, you know, the seventh month of the first day to celebrate the newness of the Lord in this new year. I mean, there's something special. There's an anointing on those times. Don't get me wrong. I'm not preaching against them. But we receive the reality. You can call on your Savior anytime. He'll be there. He's there, right? That's what we celebrate. We celebrate the, the, the fullness, the revelation, the, the receipt of the reality. Um, we don't celebrate just once a year blowing the shafar, right? You know, to, we, can, we can blow it any time and give God some praise through it. Anytime we want. So let's allow Jesus, the way, the truth, the life, to be like our life GPS. Let him bring revelation to you about yourself, others, your circumstances. He's only going to reveal in part. But the same way we trust that GPS to guide us on our path, trust God's partial revelation, his partial word of knowledge, his partial prophetic foreshadowing. Trust those things, and he'll give you even more. He'll give you another piece of the puzzle so that he is showing you the big picture of your life you are not inaccurately perceiving the big picture of what's happening. Let him be your guide. Let him be your director through life. Giving you trust that he's going to give you exactly the right part at exactly the right time to keep you on the right life path. Life is far less about doing that one big thing that he's called you to do or to be, and it is far more about following him obediently each little step of the way. That's how you get to the big things. That's how you get to the big stuff, right? Let's seek out and trust his voice, his voice above all else. Amen. All right, so let's close in prayer. So Jesus, we thank you for those things you have hidden for us, those kingdom secrets, that revelation. Help us, Jesus, to get excited about those things. Help us to trust you better, because you know my heart is always wandering astray, always trying to fill in blanks, always trying to figure everything out. Jesus, forgive me. And right now, I just release the need to know. I release 
from my life, worry and anxiety that keeps trying to fill in all the answer to what if, what if, what if. And right now, Jesus, I just trust you. Give me your peace. Let your perfect love cast fear out from my life. In the same way I follow my GPS to get where I need to go, Jesus, I'm trusting your voice to tell me what I need to hear, when I need to hear it. But Lord, I don't want to sit back idly. I want to be one that is seeking your voice at all times through all the noise and chaos of my life. Help me to hear your voice distinctly and accurately and clearly, Lord. Help me to seek you with the same fervor and eagerness as that toddler in an egg hunt. Help me to have that same zeal looking forward to that next thing you have for me. Trusting that even when I miss it, you will redirect me and re-guide me back to where I need to be, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness toward me in your name. Amen. Amen. Whew. All right, well, get out there and have some fun perceiving what God is up to.